0: Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a special series of discussions about US politics and the Trump presidency, or as we journalists call it, the gift that keeps on giving. I'm Freddie Gray, I'm Deputy Editor of the Spectator. I'm joined today by Michael Brendan Doherty, who is a senior writer at the National Review, and we're going to be talking about Marion Le Pen, the French politician, and her appearance at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference in Maryland. Michael, CPAC for... British listeners who won't know about it, is an annual convention of, let's call it, the American Conservative Movement. And it's quite an extraordinary event, as anyone who has been to it will know. And it's particularly extraordinary this year because Marion Le Pen, who was formerly the darling of the French National Front, perhaps still the darling of the French National Front, but no longer actively in politics, just gave a speech there. You've just listened to it. Give us your assessment. Marion Le Pen's mere presence at CPAC was
1: controversial uh, among conservatives who've been attending uh, this event for years or even decades um, because it signaled so dramatically this kind of shift towards populism and nationalism and, and a kind of openness to the European nationalist right, you know, was not in evidence even two years ago and especially not five years ago. Um, there's always been a kind of populist element at CPAC, but Le Pen, Le Pen being there was um, a sign of, of times that have changed pretty dramatically. Um, her speech was not um, – it, it was not particularly controversial uh, other than her her last name and maybe her middle name, uh, yeah. uh, you know, the the content of it. I mean she had some edgy lines. She talked about how in her country France was – once the first daughter of the church and is now becoming the little niece of Islam. Um,
0: yeah. Did, did that get a cheer? Uh,
1: it it did actually, it, or actually it got kind of dramatic boos, as in like booing Islam.
0: Approving boos of
1: Islam. Yeah. 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 A booze of, of the um, Islamicization of France, but it does speak to how much American conservatives have been following the migration crisis in europe um the last two years and i think how much it played into donald trump's rise which was coincident with it
0: yes it's sort of it's sort of the sort of global nature of the anti-globalist movement isn't it
1: yes and uh there's no more internationalist movement than nationalism uh and that, that was that was true 100 years ago with the Irish nationalists and Austro, you know, Austrians and uh, Czechoslovakian nationalists. And it's true today with um, American nationalists looking to France or Hungary or Poland uh, for inspiration or camaraderie. Or even Brexit. yeah. Right. Or Brexit. And yes, this was, I mean, two years ago, I think two years ago or three years ago, CPAC hosted Farage. And similarly to Le Pen this morning, he spoke in a kind of, uh, obscure time slot, and the the ballroom was sort of half full. Yeah. Uh. But but did but both speakers attracted, uh. You know, a hardcore contingent of you know vigorous supporters.
0: And it also shows perhaps how much the conservative movement has lost its, you know. I suppose they would say they've lost their cuck-servative PC shackles. I mean, even someone like Farage would have been uncomfortable sort of mixing with Le Pen and the Front National not so long ago but now he fully has embraced that world and and that's true to an extent of if not the republican party certainly the conservative movement isn't it i think people i
1: think these movements you know these these movements for sovereignty always create you know strange bedfellows right it goes and this has always been the case going back to you know Enoch Powell and Tony Benn being on the same side in the 1970s uh, and and so it shouldn't surprise us that, you know, kind of classically liberal, uh, you know, f- people who love finance in England, uh, like Farage, end up, you know, over time, drift towards people like Penn. You know, in, yeah. in a sense, they have the same they view, uh, they have the same enemies, the same enemies in Brussels, the same enemies in in the, the dominant voices of media in their countries yeah. and uh, Americans. Uh, a certain section of the American conservative movement feels the exact same way, you know, but it is interesting how much dissent this this particular speaker has brought. I mean, my, my colleagues at National Review, some of them are, are very well disgusted with the organizers of CPAC for having Le Pen given, you know, uh, her closeness to her grandfather and his views, which – You know, they consider anti-Semitic and revisionist. And
0: it's also because she's a sort of alt-right babe, isn't she?
1: Yes. I mean, that's that's definitely true. And and there is an element on the, you know, sometimes uh, in these cross-Atlantic love affairs, there is a bit of misunderstanding. Yeah, Uh, there is a bit. uh, People don't, uh, you know, totally understand the political context that. The other person is operating in and so you find uh you know a certain kind of conservative in britain or in france loves donald trump much more than american conservatives love donald trump and oh. you know similarly american conservatives have uh you know some of these nationalist figures in europe while nationalists in Europe have mixed feelings about their leadership. Uh, So there is a a, a little bit of a sense of the grass is always greener on the other side uh, of the Atlantic.
0: Yeah. I know Americans who know who Nigel Farage is, love him a lot more than even ardent UKIP voters in Britain. Right. I mean, they become,
1: in a sense, these figures become symbols into which you can project, you know, your kind of fantasy of a more competent or a more pure or more savvy leadership than is actually on display. Yes. I do have to say, though, that overall, I mean, judged just by this the self, Marion Le Pen's speech was, you know, one of the more interesting ones at CPAC recently. I mean, there's um, a lot of just plain old rabble rousing. But, you know, she had some interesting lines that show, in a sense, that the, the bar for rhetoric in continental – for the continental right wing is a bit higher. You know, she had this one – line about how she opposes creating an economy that makes slaves in the developing world and unemployed at home. Mm. I mean, that's a, that's a, a level of sophistication in rhetoric um, that hasn't developed yet in America's populist movement at all, yes. which uh, is still just saying we're getting screwed on trade deals and not, you know, putting it into this global humanitarian Context that uh, Le Pen is reaching for. It's just interesting to see the cross fertilization of ideas. Uh, to see what um, what is work, you know, what kind of lines work in France when you're selling these ideas that haven't been tried yet in America.
0: Yes, and that goes back to your international nationalism point because even something as kind of crazy as Infowars is probably more interested in what's going on in Europe than say Fox News or something like that.
1: That's right. I mean, there. This is a kind of acquired taste. Uh, the vast majority of American conservatives, even the vast majority of attendees at CPAC, have only the dimmest idea of who Marion Le Pen is, or who the National Front is. Many of them will assume that the National Front is just the equivalent of the Republican Party in France. You know, just just the center right party. Um, and this is a particularly conservative example of that uh, and they would be mistaken so but but there is a a a more active um, subsection that looks to Breitbart uh, which covers events in Europe with uh, quite a bit of sensationalism and interest and they were there some of them were there for her
0: yeah I remember from when I was in Washington with you in fact I went to CPAC And I was very struck by the fact that you could be talking to somebody, you know, like Joe the Plumber, who was the sort of cult fringe Republican figure at the time. And then you could turn around and you bump into sort of Mitt Romney, who was obviously (laughs) a a serious presidential candidate. And it it does bring together these very disparate threads within the American right.
1: Yes, it it does have this kaleidoscopic effect of this is where sort of the, the uh, gnarliest uh, activists come to gather and they get to interface with the politicians who claim to represent them. And you, and you do see, quite literally, going from what used to be the basement of CPAC, where the kind of vendors and different activist groups were, to the main stage. Yeah. You could see this kind of amazing distance that had opened up in the conservative movement between activists and the politicians that represented them. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was quite hilariously cringy moments of, of politicians kind of venturing down into the basement to try to meet the people and um, running back upstairs as fast as they could. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, and that, that hasn't, that's, only changed in so far as this year there are fewer elected Republicans going to CPAC, and and CPAC's guest of speakers is now leaning more and more towards—I I wouldn't even say nationalism ideologically, but I would say it is leaning more and more towards populism as a tone, as a kind of fighting spirit, and nationalism is just kind of one subset of it that's that has an ideological edge. But, you know, some of the star speakers will be people like Ben Shapiro, who, you know, would have no truck with Le Pen uh, ideologically uh, on the right, Mm. but would, you know, but has that same tone of being anti-elitist, of, um, you know, standing up for the voiceless or or, um, some other group of people who feel powerless on the American right.
0: Yeah. Lastly, you didn't get a sense from Marion Le Pen as to whether she's going to re-enter politics using speeches in America as her way in. I, I, I got a sense that she is um, talented
1: as as a you know this young vivacious blonde figure. It, it would seem it would seem almost crazy for someone with her last name not to go back into French politics given um some of the talent she brings to her cause in in a way i uh, this may betray some ignorance of my own on French politics, but what else do- could a Le Pen do in France but be in the <laughs> National Front? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's
0: such a notorious name at this point. She so, couldn't get a prestigious post at a, a grand Écoles university, that's for sure. Ex- exactly. So, I, I, you know, I do wonder
1: how far away from the family business she can really go. Yeah. Um, And and like I said, she she was like, you know, the ballroom may have been half empty, but she did captivate uh, the people who were there. And, you know, there is real there is real interest in uh, and fellow feeling between the American and European right this time.
0: Michael, that's very interesting, as always. And um, I hope you'll join us again soon. Oh, Thank you so much, Freddie. Thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and you can also subscribe to the magazine through our special podcast offer, which is on www.spectators.co.uk forward slash pod offer. And we'll even throw in a spectator moleskin notebook for people who take up that offer.